Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time to turn your garden into a smart garden on News Radio 830 WCCO. Smart Gardens, an hour of expert advice and answers to all of your lawn and gardening questions. You can call 989-9226 or text us at 81807. Now, here's Denny Law with this week's Smart Garden. Right here on 830-WCCO. If you're new to the show, thank you for joining us. Let me introduce you to Mary Meyer, who's the horticulture science faculty member at the U of M, an extension horticulturist. She's got... Uh, all sorts of titles. And a great book, by the way. Oh, yes, The Ten Plants That Changed Minnesota. That's good f- to be here, Denny. That's good. It's nice to yes. see you again. We appreciate all the help you give us and, and our listeners as well. And uh, you'll do the same today, I trust. Oh, Helping yes, us okay. yes. <laughs> Nothing changes. <laughs> Hoping I know all the answers. That's all right. what it is. I'm sure there won't be a problem there. 651-989-9226. Again, I said it earlier, we always tend to get really busy when Mary is here answering these questions. So call now or send a text. Uh, we're already getting a bunch of text messages, Mary, 81807. In fact, and of, of course, Mary always gives us an updated uh, information on the Arboretum as well. Yes, the Arboretum, of course, looking wonderful, wonderful now with so many things blooming. The roses are starting to come into bloom. Uh, we still have some peonies that are blooming. All the new annuals have been planted, so the color theme this year is citrus colors. Mm. So uh, yellow, oranges, uh, lime, greens, and so on. It's a beautiful color arrangement. So also the the uh, amazing treehouse exhibit has opened, and there are 12 uh, tree houses that you can look at. You cannot climb in all of these tree houses, so it's it's not your grandmother's tree house. There's some <laughs> there's some very imaginative and creative tree houses, but we have a tree house trail with a map. You can follow around and see all twelve of them. So that's that? a lot of fun. And today is the first uh, community building tree house, so you can go to the Margot Picnic Shelter from ten to two and uh, make a. a a tiny drawing on a piece of paper or use your creativity with others and build a treehouse. How about there. that? Yes. You know, that would be a great treat for dad tomorrow. Oh, yes. Father's Day. Exactly. To yeah. walk around, look at the trees that the tree houses are in. Uh, the grass collection where I work a lot of the time has a in the tall grass tree house in the middle, and you can get in that one. And that's also right beside the upside down tree house that you can look in, and and it is indeed upside down. I can see, I can see the kids and grandkids, and mom and dad taking grandpa to there, yes. and they'll say, Dad or Grandpa. Build me one of those tree houses. Build me one of those. Well, everyone can vote for their favorite. Ah. You can uh, pick the favorite and then uh, put your vote in out, out at the Arboretum. Very neat. That's right on uh, 
Uh, closest intersection is what? Uh, 40, 41 and 5. So just southwest of the cities. A nice drive out there. Beautiful place to go to walk around, get uh, some exercise, uh, have lunch in the restaurant, look at the tree houses, pick out the next plant you want to put at your That's own great idea. yard. Great idea. Great place. Great resource. Texter says, my sedum seems to be rotting at the roots. They are spreading in the middle, and when I even touch them, they just fall off of the base. I live in sandy soil, and my irrigation system does touch them. I would try to move the irrigation system off of sedum. Sedum do like sandy soil. They like well-drained soil, but that spreading out at the base, that lodging, falling over is often a sign of too much water and might, although the... the uh, Listener doesn't mention this. It might be uh, in a more shady location. So sedum love full sun, ah. hot, hot uh, bright conditions, well-drained soil. So try to alleviate the uh, water if possible. Mary, I want to pick up on, on some of these text messages. We always tend to get, at least I do, get behind uh, reading some of these text messages. So those folks on the line, stay there. We're going to get to you in just seconds. But I wanted to pick up at least on a couple of these, Mary. Uh, I have a very healthy Annabelle hydrangea. That's outgrowing its space. Is there any way I can control its size by dividing it or taking shoots from around the outside? And when and how is the best way to do it? Well, you could try that, and right now is a good time to do that. If you can, with a shovel, take um, uh, a small portion of the plant, you can do that. You could also try layering, which is laying down a stem and uh, securing it with a rock or with soil, and it will often form roots at that junction. And then from where it's rooted and the rest of that stem, you can take and lift that. So Erlanger, that's a little hard to describe over the radio, but that's a possibility. But the Annabelle hydrangea, very tough, uh, great hydrangea. So uh, try to get as small as piece as possible. Okay. Let's go to the phones, uh, see who's been waiting there. Uh, Diane is calling from Mankato with a question. Go ahead, Diane. Hi. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering when I should tr- uh, trim my Crusader Hawthorn and also my burning bush. I'll hang up and listen. Thank you. Okay, hawthorn and burning bush. Uh, You can prune both of those right now. Um, Neither of those have uh, disease issues like uh, the oak or ash with insects. So, yes, you can prune both of those right now. You could also do it in the dead of winter um, as well. Uh, but, uh, yes, you can do both of those right oh, now. Okay. Won't won't uh, damage the flowers. The hawthorn flower is just about over. And burning bush, uh, known for that fall color. So what remains on that, you'll still uh, be fine. I want to mention, too, that our great friends at, down there in Jordan, Minnesota, from By the Yard Patio Furniture are sponsoring this show like they always do. We appreciate that. By the Yard Patio Furniture. We'll talk about those good folks coming up. Uh, we were talking about the weather earlier uh, last weekend's weather in the, all my hostas, the texter says, were hit by the hail last weekend. Seventy to eighty percent of the leaves are shredded. Would I be okay cutting them to the ground, and uh, will they be ready to grow back next season? This season, I should say. Yes, uh, unfortunately, we did see quite a bit of damage from hail, and the hosta can take a beating with that. Um, one of my colleagues, Michelle Grabowski, has written an article about after the storm and talks specifically about hosta on our Yard and Garden News uh, blog, which is up uh, on the Extension website. But it's tough. In this case, if those 
leaves are not functioning, they will die on their own. It just takes a while, and they will brown, and they they won't look so good. But you don't want to take off so much of the foliage that the plant has nothing left there. And and the caller has already said, gee, 70 to 80% of the plant is gone, so very little is left there. Uh, Hosses have a big root system that looks like our fingers, so that's a lot of stored food. So they will come back, unless they are really new and young, they will come back from the roots and regenerate that foliage. So as long as you can bear the unsightliness of the foliage, I would just leave it alone when so much of it is gone. If it's a few leaves, you can take off, um, gee, up to two-thirds of the plant, but you you need to leave, try to leave a third of that leaf uh, um, structure there to continue to make food for the plant. All right. Tell you what, Mary, uh, by the way, as we head to the break, let's give give the folks the website. Yes, extension.umn.edu, and then click on Gardening. You'll be able to find that article about after the storm and many other uh, gardening recommendations. Thank you. Yeah, we'll mention that from time to time, as we always like to do. Great, uh, great resource there. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. And good morning. Welcome back to CCO Smart Garden Show. Danny Long here with Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota. And Mary, why don't we right off the bat give that extension website again? Yes, extension.umn.edu and click on garden. Hopefully all your garden questions can be answered there. It's a great place. Back to the phones we go. Marsha is calling from Burnsville. Marsha, you're on with Mary. Hi. I have a large clump of Miscanthus graziella that is being invaded by either quackgrass or crabgrass. Aside from pulling it by hand, do you have any other suggestions? It's probably quackgrass because uh, crabgrass would be an annual, be very, very low at the base, and it wouldn't really uh, compete much with uh, miscanthus. So what you have quackgrass, which has those big rhizomes. Well, sometimes they're not so big, but they're very persistent rhizomes uh, that spread throughout the soil. And then this can grow up right in the midst of the grass. It's very difficult to tell one piece of the quackgrass from the miscanthus. So other than hand weeding that out, um, I don't have a good recommendation for you. I I will say with miscanthus, that's a very abrasive grass, so you need to have on a long sleeve shirt and gloves. Otherwise, you will have uh, cuts all over your arm when you go in to try to move that. It has an abrasive edge. So um, hand weeding it out. uh, When things get really bad, and we have this in the grass collection at the Arboretum, we do dig up the entire plant. Uh, We go through the roots, and we take out a small section that has only the desirable plant and we throw the rest away so that that quack grass can can make um, a whole net and matting in between the existing good miscanthus so um, but try try your best to hand weed <laughs> all right uh, let's see let's go to fred who's calling from uh, minneapolis fred you're on cco good morning hi thank you mm-hmm. um say my son just uh bought a house in Minneapolis, South Minneapolis last year, and uh, the backyard has been neglected for a number of years, I think, so it was nothing but weeds and uh, and even some sumac, and he put down weed killer, killed off basically everything. Uh, the sumac still seems to come back a little bit, but um, the plan is to kill everything up, uh, dig everything up, and start over from scratch. 
And I'm wondering about, number one, is that a good plan? Um, number two, um, does that soil, should that soil be amended somehow? Or do I add weed, more weed killer before seeding? So I, I assume you're going for a lawn. I think you didn't really mention that word lawn, but I assume. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, yeah, is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, no, what you're describing is fine. Uh, the sumac is a very big persistent plant, and that has a colony root system down underneath. So as long as you see the shoots coming up from that, you'll need to treat that to kill it. You might have to do that two or even three times. But um, once you have uh, eliminated all the weeds that are there, uh, I would say that um, you have to really look at the soil uh, once you till it and see what's there. Many times our soils are okay. We have wonderful soil in the Midwest, and the soil there might be just fine. It's just a a matter of being totally neglected. Uh, I assume you're using glyphosate or Roundup, and that has a very uh, short soil residual and won't affect any seeds when you plant them. So, yeah, get rid of all the weeds, uh, then till the soil, then you can reseed. All right, good. So he's on the right track. He's definitely, yeah, on the right track. Alex is calling from Anoka. Go ahead, Alex. Thank you. Hey, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Mm-hmm. So this my, uh, my wife and I are pretty new at this. Uh, we just planted window boxes, and there's two rubber plugs at the bottom of the plastic inserts. So should we take those out, or should we leave those plugged in? You definitely want to take those out, uh, and that's great the way that window box was designed. Uh, that is really to... Um, improve the drainage and allow the water to drain out of that. Otherwise, standing water at the base will kill all the roots in the window box. Um, that, that allows you to have the choice of taking another container and setting that in your window box. That's, I think, why uh, sometimes they put the plugs in there. But uh, definitely take them out. Okay, good. Good going, Alex. Uh, David's calling from out of video with a question for Mary. Go ahead, David. Yeah, hi, thank you. Um, we have two apple trees. Uh, one was planted probably um, six or seven years ago, the other one four or five years ago, but neither one seems to be doing very well. They they grow very slowly. I mean, they still look very small. Um, the bigger one last year maybe got five or six apples on it that fell off before they ever matured. Um, this year it has quite a few more apples, but they're, some have already fallen off. And um, on the tips of the leaves and some on the edges of the leaves, they're getting brown and uh, they kind of look dead on the end of the leaves. Not on all the leaves, but just some. Well, growing uh, growing apples is a challenge for us. Uh, even though in Minnesota we have a lot of wonderful varieties, they're one of the high-maintenance plants uh, for uh, homeowners. So they, they are a challenge. But the first thing they have to have is full sun and well-drained soil. And if, if, both of the, if those conditions are met, full sun and well-drained soil, uh, you might take a soil test and have that sent to the university to make sure that you have excuse me, adequate fertilizer in your soil. And then you need to to start thinking about pest control. So you've talked about you have two apples, and I assume they are two different kinds because you need that cross-pollination in order for it to set fruit. Most of the time people have crab apples around nearby, and that will help for the pollination. But if there are not two different kinds, you need to get um, another kind of apple to make sure you have the, the pollination for fruit set. 
this time of year, it's a good idea to put in a, a trap, which is uh, you can buy uh, – an apple, an apple, right? You can buy um, a round red spherical ball that you put Tanglefoot on. It looks like it's an apple for all the insects, and you hang those in your tree. That's a good trap for apple maggot, which is one of the uh, most prevalent uh, yeah. insect problems. But um, in your case, I don't think apple maggot is your problem. I think just getting the trees established and growing is a problem. So I would go with a soil test and see if you don't need um, additional fertilizer. Okay. Very good. We have to take a bottom of the hour break. We have another half hour of the show to go. We're going to pick up on text messages because we have many of them, Mary. We'll do that when we uh, come back. And welcome to our Smart Garden Show here on 830 WCCO, sponsored by our friends at By the Yard Outdoor Furniture. We'll talk about that. As we move through the rest of the hour, Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota is with us this morning, helping us out, helping you out. And Mary, we did promise the textures we'd uh, we'd get to their uh, questions. Let's do that. Uh, here's one that says, I have yellow patches in my lawn. I had someone look at it, and they say it's, not sure what that word is, some kind of leaf blight. Can you uh, give advice on how to treat that? Well, we don't have many disease issues in uh, on lawns in Minnesota mm-hmm. that that homeowners need to use any type of a fungicide or pesticide for. Uh, the most common thing, of course, are dogs yeah. and dog urine. But um, the, there is um, uh, the uh, plant pathology lab at the university where you can send uh, plant samples for disease questions. Um, I would consider uh, certainly raking it out, seeing if the grass is dead, seeing if you can reseed in those areas. Uh, maybe consider aeration. Yeah. Uh, do that uh, for your lawn. Sometimes when we use uh, nitrogen fertilizer, which is what we recommend on lawns, that high, ni- high uh, quick growth with nitrogen will promote some diseases and with a high moisture that we've had, a lot of moisture, uh, humidity, and so on, we'll temporarily see some diseases come in. But for homeowners, uh, they're usually not, they're not at all fatal. I've never recommended a pesticide oh, okay. for home lawns, uh, for fungicides. Okay. Now, the golf course is a different story. Of course, they, they, they can't have any, they have zero tolerance That's for yellow right. on those greens. So they are using the preventative fungicides. But for home lawns, uh, I think it will be a temporary problem. Good. Two questions. Texter says, I have numerous shrubs and perennials in uh, all in mulched areas. Is it okay to let the trimming debris stay in the mulch? Also, how does hosta virus first get uh, in, uh, into a garden where no new plants are bought? So is there a hosta virus? That yes, you know? there is a hosta virus X, and it, it usually comes when you buy a plant that's got it. Ah. Uh, you buy a plant, it has hosta virus X, and then you have to be very careful about um, getting rid of that particular plant. And hosta virus X, though, needs live tissue to grow on. So uh, once you have, have it, you just remove that one, get rid of that plant, get it out of your garden, uh, and that is the recommendation that we have for hosta virus X. But this person is talking about um, cutting back materials, and can she just leave them nearby? Well, you can if the if the appearance doesn't bother you and the plants are healthy. That's okay. not a problem. But if you have diseased 
plants that you're pruning, you want to remove that disease portion, put that in a compost pile that really heats up and does a good job of decomposing it, or take it to a municipal compost site to get rid of any of the disease material. The municipal sites are big and they get hot and they will kill those diseases. Mm. But disease plants, uh, remove those cuttings. Otherwise, you can leave them if that uh, appearance doesn't bother you. Texter says, my ladies' mantle and cat mint both flop each year once they're fully grown. Is there anything I can do to to either to prevent this or fix it after it happens? I would cut them back, but that would mean cutting off all or most of the flowers. That came from Sandy. Yes, so this goes back to that kind of the first question we had about the sedum getting flat Mm -hmm. and open up in the center. Perennials will do this if they don't have, usually it's a lack of full sun and too much water. So, uh, and then the pruning is a tricky thing. You can prune some of these plants, but it's it's pruning before they ever flower, and it's it's cutting. It's in England they call this the Chelsea chop, because they chop plants back about the time of the Chelsea flower show, which is is late May, and that's before a lot of things are flowering. It tends to make perennials shorter and flower on stocky stems rather than being long and leggy and so on. But of course, you know, you're cutting off a lot of the food reserves and this only works with tough perennials. But um, the two that this caller described, the cat mint ladies mantle, you could try that with, but uh, too late this year because they're already up and uh, flowering, but uh, low water, full sun. Texter wants to know, and and getting your ideas, but maybe this would also be a good place for someone to, this person to uh, Check out the university website. Please suggest perennial plants for sandy soil by our cabin. Yes, plants for a perennial, uh, yeah, in sandy soil. Uh, we do have some lists of those that are up online. Um, Ten years ago, when the Master Gardener program was 30 years old, uh, the Master Gardeners and I uh, wrote a pub that's the best plants for 30 tough sites. Mm. And the Anoka Master Gardeners helped with the uh, list for dry soil conditions. So we do have those lists up online, and there are um, native grasses like prairie drop seed, little blue stem, uh, grandma that will grow in dry uh, soils. And the list of the perennials for dry soils are up there also. So, Excellent. Yeah. Very good. Uh, back to the phones, and we'll get some more text messages as well. Watertown is our next stop. Nelson is there. Nelson, you're on with Mary. Hi, gang. Mary, Denny, thank you for the show. Uh, two-part question. Uh, how do the little helicopters that come down from a maple tree turn into a seedling, and how does lime affect my soil to make it a better grass-growing soil? So the little helicopters, yes, those are the seeds on a maple tree, and uh they are wonderful at regenerating and reproducing those maples underneath the tree. Uh, within each helicopter, there are actually two seeds that splits apart mm. and becomes uh, two for one distribution there. And uh, plants are uh, excellent at getting their genes into the next generation. And they have perfected this over thousands and thousands of years. And so, yes, the, so the embryo, the seed is in that helicopter. If it lands on moist soil, uh, like we've had this spring, very likely that will regenerate. But, of course, a lot of that comes in our lawns. People just cut those off and get rid of them. They cannot 
withstand mowing. So mowing is basically the way to get rid of them. Uh, Lime in soil is not something we need a lot here in most of Minnesota. Up in the Arrowhead, we run into our acidic soil conditions, but central Minnesota, southern, we tend to have alkaline soils. So always get a soil test before you put on lime. You need to know if you need to apply it at all, and you need to know how much to put on. The New England states uh, have... uh, Uh, a a huge need for that. So a lot of garden writing that's done for the United States will talk about applying lime. Mm. But here in the Midwest, uh, we have to be careful about applying it because at the Arboretum, uh, where we have a pH of right around 7, even 7.5, 7.8 in some cases, no need for lime at all. All right. Get that uh, soil test done. Right. Yeah. Uh, Texter says, hi, Mary, I have two crabapple trees that are leaning. What can I do to make them straight? Well, if they're young enough, uh, you can put some supports on the opposite side of where they're leading and gradually pull them up and straighten them to get that trunk straight. If they're older and uh, you can't do this easily, um, then uh, you are living with an angled plant. How can I say this? I, I really don't think you can change it. At some point, it's just too difficult, and you either physically cannot move it, or if you did move it, you would uh, break the root structure oh, and damage the plant. So if it's young and pliable, you can try gradually moving it up uh, just with supports on the other side. All right, let's go back to the phones. Ed is calling from Bloomington this morning. Ed, you're on with Mary. Hey, thank you. Uh, I have a, a browning leaf. Uh, problem on my geraniums, and I understand there's some kind of a fungus that causes that. Is there a easy cure for that? And what makes my Asian lilies get so tall? They're about four foot tall. Okay, the browning on geranium leaves. There are fungal diseases on geraniums. I would encourage you to inspect your geraniums and take remove any leaves that have any brown or partial browning. If this means you're taking off all the leaves or almost all the leaves, then you may have um, the the disease may have gone too far. Try to keep your foliage dry on the geraniums and always just water at the base. Don't get the water on the leaves. Uh, Hopefully you can remove any that have the brown spots. Preventative uh, fungicides Fungicides for geraniums only work on a preventative basis. You would have had to spray that before anything showed up. And the Asiatic lilies, why are they so tall? Uh, I don't know what kind you have, but a lot of that is genetics. Some some lilies are very, very tall. That is the way they grow. That's uh, what the DNA is prescripting for them to do. Sometimes if they're in the shade, they will try to reach for the sun and grow taller, but it's really a genetics thing with the variety that you have. All right. Tell you what, Mary, let's take a break, and when we come back, we're going to catch up on more phone calls and text messages, so don't go away. More Smart Garden straight ahead here. On 830-WCCO. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Welcome back to CCO's uh, Smart Garden Show. 71 degrees, our Twin City temperature reading. Uh, Denny Long here with Mary, Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota. Mary, maybe we should give that uh, 
the uh, Extension uh, website uh, once again. Yes, uh, extension.umn.edu, and then click on Gardens. So you'll find lots of information there. Many of the things we've talked about, we have long, long articles, short articles, lots of pictures to help you out. It really is a great resource. All right, let's go back to the phones. Folks have been waiting. Tony in Shoreview is next. Thank you, Tony. Good morning. Uh, I got a question on fertilizer for vegetable gardens. We had a soil test done at the U, and they said to use a 30-0-20. Highest nitrogen we can find is like a 16-0-0. So we're missing the potash. Any recommendations? Uh, I would continue to look and see if you can't find something that has uh, the potash in it. and uh, you can uh, – I'm kind of surprised at this because normally uh, we don't uh, have such a high nitrogen recommendation for vegetables because uh, – but it's all, it's all in a, a ratio and how your results came out. Um, so, yeah, that's really about the best thing to tell you is to keep looking at different uh, garden centers because it's not that unusual to find ones that have the zero phosphorus. Lots of our um, fertilizer now in Minnesota has zero phosphorus because of the laws uh, mm-hmm. and lawns. But, yes, there, there are definitely a lot of different products out there, so I'd urge you to just keep looking. Keep looking. Yeah. Thanks, Tony. Uh, Ed's calling from Bloomington. Ed, you're on CCO with Mary. Hi, Ed. Well, I've already talked to her. Thank you very much. Oh, okay. Well, he just wanted to hang around on the phone. (laughs) All right. Very good. Well, we have enough text messages to last for about three more hours, Mary, but we won't put you through that. Uh, Let's see. My peony bush is in full sun, but only some of the flowers opened. Why? And is there anything I should be doing about that? Uh, I, this year was not the greatest for our peonies. I mean, peonies are a big, wonderful perennial for us, but we do not usually have the temperature swings that we had. I had a lot of the peony flowers on my shrubs uh, didn't open fully because the heat, and they almost had this blast effect. It, they they kind of almost opened, and then it got so hot that those petals were almost... Um, coming off right away. So it was a disappointment. The flowers simply didn't last as long because of the really hot weather conditions that came for just a a few days uh, when they were just starting to to develop. So sometimes the temperatures can't um, uh, help us with that. Peonies are a big, wonderful perennial. As long as yours is in full sun, it's bloomed other years. It's, I think, really a factor of the erratic and very hot weather. Mm Mm-hmm. Texter says, I have two 40-plus-year-old spruce trees with mega loss of needles. I noticed the needles browning since mid-October. Yeah, we have a number of spruce diseases that could be the problem with that. Uh, So there are uh, good images and descriptions up online on the website. Uh, You can take a picture of it, send the picture in to ask a master gardener. You can look on the website to try to diagnose this. With the spruces, it's preventative fungicide sprays, uh, careful pruning, pruning out branches that have those uh, um, disease um, issues. But uh, you need to really properly diagnose uh, which disease it is. Uh, there, there are a couple of uh, foliar uh, diseases, fungal diseases on spruce. 
See if we can squeeze in a couple more text messages. Could I plant a new apple tree in the same spot as my dying old apple tree is in? Uh, yes, you probably could. Uh, the, you you know that all of the uh, diseases you've had on that apple tree will probably be easier for the young tree to get. But if the location was good for and productive for full sun, well-drained soil, uh, lots of times we don't have a big selection of where else we're going to put in our fruit trees. So just uh, watch the maintenance, do as much preventative maintenance for the uh, insects as you can. All right, one last thing before we take our leave. Uh, Another tree question. I want to add three trees to our yard. Add now or wait till fall, looking probably at a maple tree. Love your show. I'd plant it now. Uh, The more time it has to get established before the winter comes, the better. You'll just have to uh, monitor it for watering, make sure that it's well watered. But, yes, I would go ahead and plant it now. Can you deadhead vine crops to produce more crop as is done with flowering plants? By vine crops, I think the person is talking about squashes and pumpkins. And yes, you can do that. Uh, if, if you're growing a giant pumpkin, the only way these giant pumpkins come about is they are the only fruit on the vine. So they do take off the others to make one or two very, very large uh, plants. Most homeowners don't want to do that. They want to get more multiple fruits, so they don't usually uh, prune off any of the flowers. The vine crops, we can tell the male and female flowers, and uh, you could do that if you have a goal of a few large fruits. <laughs> Mary, thank you for all your help. Uh, let's give that... Uh, that, uh, that extension, extension website. Yeah. Yes, extension.umn.edu and click on garden. Don't forget, Dad, Father's Day tomorrow. Thanks, Plant Mary. Plant a tree. Plant yes. a tree with Dad. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.